All right, I'm recording now. Hello, everyone. This is Jim Barton, and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley. And this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, so this this episode, we're going to start um, one of two episodes really focused on the afterlife. And this episode is going to be about uh, the good positive afterlife. And so um, as we kick things off, I'm going to start by kicking things back over to Abby to talk about what may not be the afterlife, which is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which Jesus talks about a whole bunch. So Abby, what's the deal with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Apparently I just made the Zoom angry. Sorry. So especially in Matthew, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God being at hand. It's this idea of both an already and a not yet, kind of an in-breaking at any moment. Um, so we get this, this, these parables over and over again. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So in many ways, we're being taught to recognize how God works in the world while um, being very aware that it's not happening yet. But almost none of those kingdom of heaven is like stories talk about it as being a reward or a positive result from a life well-led. Right. This is in many ways the, the reality of the world that this exists alongside and in the middle of, and you can choose to participate in it if you want. Um, and that is much what following Jesus is. It's learning to see that participation and then to to join in it in some way. So if the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a pearl who can sell everything to get that, well, how do you act if you believe that? What do you do right. if you believe that? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which sort of describes about having faith and it's a little mustard seed that grows and it has a place for the birds. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower. I mean, all these things are, are not what we want to talk about today. Right. They're, they, I mean, yeah, they're, they're very cool. They're interesting stories. They've kept people guessing for a long time. They're interpreted in so many different ways, especially in different cultures. They don't get us to an answer about an afterlife. And in fact, it's frankly, pursuing the kingdom of heaven is, is maybe the most crucial. I mean, that may be what Christianity is. Like, you know what I mean? Like that may be, that may be the whole, I mean, that really is what Jesus ministry is about. Right. is pursuing the kingdom of heaven, but that's not about afterlife. Now, Jesus does talk a little bit, plenty, about afterlife. And I think one of the places that it's, it, it really sort of pops up is the rich man, the rich young man. I can't remember. Sometimes he's a leader. Sometimes he's a ruler. Rich sometimes young ruler. Yeah. The story appears in all three synoptics, and they each give us a little bit of a different detail. So when we put them all together, we end up with a parable of a rich young ruler. And he wants to know how to inherit eternal life. Right. And he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you must keep all of the commandments. Um, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he replies, I've done all of those since my youth. Yeah. So Jesus says, well, go sell everything you have as a follow-up. And? and Give it to the poor. And give it to the poor. And the young man goes away sad because he has great wealth. Yeah. 
Now, we, we, when we talked about the scripture in the past, we, we noted that we don't actually know whether he did it or not. Right. Like he might have done it, and maybe that's why he's sad. Right. Was he sad to give up his Maserati? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So let's get I off his back. We don't really know. The point being that that is, and, and when we talk about, now that does seem to be about this idea of going to heaven, if you will, right? Of like, of like getting, he wants to know, because he's not asking, Jesus, how can I bring the, on earth the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is, or can I bring about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Right. That's not what he was asking about. He was asking about this personal access, and Jesus has an answer for him. Yeah. Matthew 25 is the other one, right? The sheeps and the goats. And um, some people go to hell. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. But some people get into my father, come here, sit at the right hand of the father or whatever, come and, you know, join in. Um, Those, to do that, you also have to help the poor and the hungry, Mm -hmm. right? And the naked and the imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And um, if you do that, whatever you do to the least of these, that you do unto me. And so... Um, and also because Jesus was a Pharisee, we think that probably it makes sense that Jesus would believe in an afterlife. Isn't that right? Right. So he at least believes in a resurrection of some sort of something that happens afterwards as, um, Judaism changes, they are redeveloping ideas. The ancient Hebrew idea is very much that everybody went to the same place. It's the place of the dead. It is yeah. more like we would talk about Hades or something within Greek mythology, that it's the shadowy place called Sheol. Everybody ends up there. And it's neither good nor bad. Um, it's at the ends of the earth. You go through some gates to get there. So, again, sounds very Greek mythology right. in a whole bunch of ways. But those ideas are evolving both against Greek mythology um, and just out of that ancient Near Eastern and the landscape as some other ideas are being introduced and they're trying to decide how are we not Greek? How are we different? Right. And we have a parable that of the, of the woman who marries the seven brothers, right? That is, is not about afterlife, but certainly recognizes the existence of afterlife. I mean, the reason why that is a zinger that the Sadducees were able to like sort of, eh, you know, what do you think of this, Jesus, is because they were sort of setting up a, 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 a tough question for him. Right. And so that's the acknowledgement. She's, they're following the law under, under the Leverite law. If your brother dies, you marry his wife and care, care for her. So this happens right. seven times. The zinger is like, well, then who is she married to in the resurrection? Then Jesus comes back and says, well, they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage in the resurrection. Yeah. So we still have resurrection, but we have this, we're not clear about how our human relationships continue then. I think it is important that um, Jesus did not say, well, there won't be individuality in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Well, there won't be, you know, whatever that he, you know, no, Jesus was suggesting that both the Sadducees and Jesus were acknowledging that you would, under his belief, you would be a person or an entity. You would be, you would be your own self. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying you'll be transformed in such a way that marriage won't make sense anymore, but you would still be a self. Right. And of course the Sadducees did not believe in afterlife. Right. And they so that's why it was resurrection. What's that? They say there is no resurrection. Um, yeah. Which again, I think there's a whole bunch of nuance and 
different conceptions there. Right. Um, and interest of full disclosure, I think just so, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm in the Sadducee camp in that regard. I'm not, and maybe not because my, my, um, my belief system is, is around, I guess, afterlife as sort of it's as developed into the late 20th, early 21st century America. Right. That, that I don't, that is not, I, I'm not, um, I like the idea of afterlife. I wish that I could, I frankly, I wish this is a, my friend of mine who's atheist mentions all the time. He wishes he could believe that there would be a great place where we'd go. We'd all get to see our loved ones again. I just, I just don't. I, and I'm in that place as far as this goes. And, and your is a more subtle belief on that. I'm, I'm pretty agnostic. Like I'm not necessarily invested in the afterlife. I'm not to you of like, well, there couldn't be an afterlife. Yeah. I believe that if there is an afterlife, we are only more fully in the presence of God, not less so. Mm -hmm. So like that gets weird. I also confess that like part of, part of everything that you get, even with Jesus separating the sheep from the goats and the right and the left in Matthew 25 is that someone else handles the sorting out, which is actually uh -huh. some really gracious to me of like some gracious understanding of God's justice that might look different than mine. So when we get into talking about, well, is there an actual hell and those things in the next episode, I think there is for me a very good idea of justice that is meted out by by an all-knowing God, like right, yeah, like vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That means it's the Lord's, right? We're in the, right. We're in the area. <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch of people with imprecatory psalms, the things we talk about, where you're like, God, can you crush my enemies? Yeah. Really nice thing about that is you're not saying, God, give me the power to crush my enemies. Let right. me. Do right, right, right. God's judgment for that other thing. So that's. That's where I fall on afterlife and I'm aware that God might tick me off with. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So let's talk then. All right. So I think that but the picture we get from of afterlife from Jesus is distinct from my, my view of it. It is Jesus seems to have an afterlife. Um, but when we go to the afterlife, then seems to be a topic of uh, some, some conflict within the scripture. Um, maybe. And one of the song, one of the places we go a lot to is First uh, Corinthians fifteen, um, which um, I now where is this Pauline or pseudo Pauline or what do we think about Corinthians, First Corinthians? Do you, I didn't ask you this before. I and I don't remember enough off the top of my head. Um, it's, uh, it's it is more Pauline than say Ephesians for sure. Right. 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 And in that, we get this, some great stuff about conquering death. And um, we get this, the order of resurrections. And maybe why don't you, you want to talk about that, about what Paul says about the order of resurrection in First uh, Corinthians. Yeah. So we get this story where it's like, it ends up that everyone is changed, but some will be changed at the first call and some at the last call and some in between. Um, but there is a resurrection of the dead. And so we get this whole thing of like, people are being resurrected. Um, Christ is calling some home. And then um, the notion of a natural body and a spiritual body. So it's right at the end of 
1 Corinthians 15, where he talks about that um, blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he hadn't experienced it and we don't know what happens after death. He didn't either. Um, but it's the everyone gets resurrected and then things happen. And that is certainly more specific than what Jesus talked about. Mm-hmm. With Jesus, we have these little glimpses, internal life. This is what you do to get inherent internal life. We have the little parables that sort of make a presumption um, of there being a, uh, eventually in, in Matthew 25 of a good and a bad place, if you will. But um, Paul now has some pretty specific, like this stuff about the flesh, like you're going to, you're like, it's, you know, your body and your body in Paul, your body is resurrected and is then transformed into a resurrected thing. Right. Because we'll talk about this in a couple episodes, like Christians and bodies is a very weird thing. Paul definitely is concerned about the badness of the body. Yeah. Jesus does not seem to be nearly so concerned, including Jesus is resurrected with wounds still intact. Um, yeah, that's a great point because according to Paul, you're going to get a perfect body. Right. That so doesn't Paul, decay. Right. Paul needs it to be transformed. Jesus is not so clear. Um, There's some good Johnny Cash songs around this too. Like ain't no grave can hold me down. Yeah. Is very, and then he actually has the Oh, Death, Where Is Thy Sting? He does a version of that that I like really well, too. Yeah, Hozier has some good stuff, too. The work song is, is actually the same, you know, Nobody Hold Down. But it is, it is interesting with all of these talks about death. First Corinthians 15 is also get we where we get death, where is thy victory? Where is thy sting? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's clear that although Paul is not sure what happens. He's not sure how the body is transformed. It's transformed and death does not have the same sting. Um, And I talked some as we were prepping about John Donne's Holy Sonnet, because I mean, he has one where it's just like death, where is thy victory? You know, um, and talks about even, you know, death as just sleep. And then one short sleep pass, we wake eternal and death shall be no more. Death yeah. shall die. So this is the idea of um, a model of atonement of Christus, Christus Victor, where Jesus has victory over death. Death exists, but, but it's temporary. It's not yeah. going to last. And it happened really early on that that particular um, version of atonement theology came up. Um, mocking death is just fine. Um, even some of the medieval parties around death are, are that we're going to mock death. We're going to laugh at death. We're going to do all of these things because you don't actually have any power, even though it seems like you do. And I think it is something that really distinguishes Christianity, frankly, from other, um, other religions. I think in uh, other religions, oftentimes it is death is like, it's about accepting death or it's like death is a part of things, a, a cycle, you know, any kind of like some of the Eastern uh, religions that think about cycles and talk about um, karma and all that kind of thing. 
Um, that, that's, that's not Christianity. Christianity is, does take a position about death that is distinct in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing we should talk about that in Paul's, uh, in 1 Corinthians is it does suggest that you have a resurrection like relatively now. Like, I mean, basically because Jesus has been resurrected, now it's open for us to be resurrected when we die. Right. And we see the same concept really in the harrowing of hell, which is the idea that Jesus had to go down to hell, to the place of the dead, preach the gospel to the people there, so that they would have a chance to have access to heaven that they didn't have until Jesus was, went down and, 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 was the, and uh, preached the gospel to them, which we, there's a one, we, we noted that First Peter 4, 6 has one, and you said there was maybe one other citation that's very similar. There's one in Ephesians that um, the Catholic Church that is much more invested in specific doctrine talks about, but it's pretty limited, but it's working on the problem of, well, if Jesus opens the doors to heaven, what happened to all those people before? So right. they need a chance to hear the gospel and accept it. And um, we were kind of on the fence in Hebrews 12. It talks about the cloud of witnesses and in the Hebrews 11, a little bit more about sort of the hall of fame. I didn't really call it a hall of fame, but I mean. Hall of faith, hall of faith. Yeah, but it kind of feels like a hall of fame. Yeah. You, you yeah. can have like pictures up. Um, they, uh, um, those people, it seems to be that the, you're surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, which makes it feel like now the people who have died before you are looking down on you. Um, and that also suggests an immediate access to afterlife. Right. And that feels a little bit more like our modern notions of heaven. Um, even for those of us who aren't Catholic, we, we, we have this kind of looming notion of saints and saints, technically speaking from a Roman Catholic perspective and some other um, traditions closer to that are people who um, have achieved the beatific vision. So we know they're in heaven because they've been able to perform miracles. Those have been documented. And so because they're in heaven, we call them saints. We can ask them to pray with us the same as we would ask church people to pray with us. Yeah. Um, you know, the Protestant idea is much more, we all become saints. When mm-hmm. we die, you know, those who are faithful are immediately taken into right. heaven. Saints. Um, but it's kind of, there's some echo there or maybe some root there in this cloud of witnesses that therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance, the race before us. Um, so it's definitely yes. there, even though we're not sure, we're not sure about the physics of where they were. But that's right. And I mean, it could be a metaphor in Hebrews. There, there's right. certainly space in Hebrews for it to be metaphor. Um, um, but, but maybe not. The last idea that we really need to talk about is a very different idea, which is that um, you die, you are, you're dead until Christ comes again. Right. And this is an idea that I think is really present in Revelation, the idea that when Jesus returns and you have the second coming, that's when everybody who's been waiting, now everybody is resurrected. And right. some people will never be resurrected because they'll never die. And, they, and you know, they're alive at that time. That's fine. That's different. But um, obviously now that, you know, as far as most of us are concerned, we haven't had a second coming yet. And so this concept now is more different from that idea of you would be immediately going to heaven. Yeah. Um, And in John 14, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it weren't that way, I would have told you. Um, So it is that idea of like, this is coming, but it's not here yet. And so what does that 
how does that work, especially when there's a 2000 year time lapse? Um, and there has been no apparent second coming that that creates its own problems, but it's also our religious landscape. If you, you know, the Left Behind series, all of those things are rooted in the notion of Jesus' physical return to earth in some way. And honestly, most of these, maybe all of them, do have the notion of judgment with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's something that maybe liberals, we don't like a whole lot. You know, we like to find a way to make it so that it's, it's not that way. Um, we've talked a lot about, about that, uh, the, the sitcom, The Good Place, mm-hmm. um, where um, so our Eleanor's, Eleanor's Shellstrop is, uh, uh, happens to be from Tempe, Arizona. Um, and, uh, you know, she's just fine. She gets by. So why shouldn't she be in The Good Place? She didn't do anything that terrible. Um, and um, I think it's interesting because I, I do, I think the, the premise of that show is that, that doesn't, that's not how it works. And right. I do think, I think that's fair. I think if you read these passages, which we've just, we've sort of talked about now, you can see that this idea of heaven is distinct from the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a different idea. And I think that was important to separate that out. The idea of inheriting eternal life, of getting into a post, a heaven where you'll have your, your flesh replaced with uh, flesh that doesn't decay, that's really present. And it seems to be pretty connected to the idea of ju- a judgment. Mm-hmm. And with judgment both reward and punishment um, for sure and for like sure. We're about hell in our next episode but that is very present um in all of these conversations like there is a strong notion that we continue and it goes one way or the other so let's talk as before we wrap up about some of the dangers and some of the benefits of this theology on our life Right. Because one of the dangers that I see with this, the idea of a prize after death is slaves obey your masters for now, because in the future, you'll have this kingdom of heaven. Right. Um, And using the notion of a future benefit um, as justification for allowing injustice is, I think, a, a danger of this, of this theology that has to be looked, we have to look out for. Yeah. I mean, and it lets us off the hook, right? Because the children in cages will be rewarded in their afterlife. As long as they accepted Jesus is also kind of generally yeah. part of the equation. That's, but it makes it okay to put the kids in, but it makes it okay to put the kids in cage or not right. okay, but it makes it less of a problem to put the kids in cages. Right. We don't, and, you know, they'll get rewarded eventually. So we don't have to worry as much about getting them out now. And to be clear, that is most certainly not what Jesus taught. Right. Slaves obey your master comes from Paul and it mm-hmm. comes from this idea. And frankly, that may actually be pseudo Paul because we know that Paul was actually pretty harsh about the idea of Christians owning other Christians as slaves is that is not, you can't do that. Right. And then the later um, uh, pseudo-Pauline authors were more tolerant of that. But um, just in general, the idea of like, you know, you can be miserable now, but don't worry about your misery today. That is not what Jesus taught. And when no. Jesus taught, um, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or blessed are the meek. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't teaching, be patient. And then when you die, you'll get a prize. Because in all in the in the Beatitudes, he's talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the thing that is at hand. Right. right. And 
And that is also, you know, those are pronouncements. By speaking it, Jesus makes it true. So when we say, blessed are the poor, we're like, no, blessed are not the poor. Like, like that is antithetical to our lived experience. But if you believe that Jesus has said these people are blessed, are holy, are consecrated, how do you behave differently toward them? That's what we're talking about. Right. That's right. They are blessed. Right. Now deal with it. Yeah. Right. Not right. Exactly right. He's not telling the poor, you know, you Wait, know deal with it. Fine. you're good. You're, you're really fine. Blessed. Right. You don't know it, but you're blessed. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, these are my people. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I think, and I, I, I think too, it would be um, problematic if um, folks behaved in such a way just to get access to a future prize. I think that would um, diminish the value of, of our faith, which I think is to get us to live the right way now and to get us to live as in line as we can. My dad um, liked to point out that uh, it's eternal life, not everlasting life, meaning that inheriting eternal life means that you participate in the eternal, which goes in both directions. And the idea being that this isn't about some prize you get that's only forward looking. Now, I don't know if that's a fair interpretation of the gospel. It may not be. But the, I, I like the idea that what we're after is sort of merging with this eternal faith that has always been and will always be. And, and you don't do that by sort of um, nakedly trying to, um, you know, cynically trying to gather points. Right. Um, we had a guy at one of our, uh, the churches I grew up in who was a terrible, terrible person. But he came to church every Sunday because during World War II, he had promised God if God got him out of this foxhole, he would forever go to church. And, um, you know, it, and that's how he acted. Like he was repaying some debt that he owed because he had made this, he cast this spell while he was in a foxhole in Southern Europe. And um, that's not good. He wasn't helping himself. He wasn't helping the body of Christ. He was, that was a disastrous, tragic outcome. Right. And he wasn't participating in anything resembling the reign of God. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, um, what else? Anything else on, um, on heaven or are we, have we given a good survey of that, you think? So I think that we have a good survey. We should also say that anyone who is not somewhat agnostic about heaven in general, you probably should question a little bit more. Like <laughs> kind of like, well, you know, Jim's still on team. Like, Hey, if I'm proved wrong and there's a cool heaven, great. Right. Like if anyone's really, really certain, mm, maybe be a little <laughs> nervous about that. <laughs> I think that's good advice. All right. Well, let's end with that and uh, we'll wrap up for now. Um, so uh, thanks for listening and until next time, cheers.